BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So there's a a couple of really interesting events in the uh, nuclear space that I wanted to get Kevin Camps, our buddy at uh, beyondnuclear.org, back on about. He's he's just, uh, Kevin's an expert on all these things, and he's always such a wealth of information. Beyond Nuclear is also their their Twitter handle. One is there's three and a half million pounds of nuclear waste buried on a California beach. Uh, the The other is that Fukushima wants to build a tunnel into the ocean so that they can get rid of their radioactive water without anybody seeing it or something. And and then the third, of course, is we've got this this giant piece of legislation, this three and a half trillion dollar bill and the half a trillion dollar bill, the the, the so-called bipartisan bill. You know, is nuclear a part of these things as part of the solution to the climate crisis? Inquiry minds want to know, and Kevin Camps is on the line with us. Kevin, welcome back. Let's start with the uh, California beach. Three and a half million pounds of, of radioactive waste? Seriously? It's true, but, you know, San Onofre, California, is a microcosm of the national scene. I mean, I'm speaking to you from Kalamazoo, Michigan, about 40 miles from the Lake Michigan shore, and we've had many hundreds of tons of high-level radioactive waste just 150 yards from the waters of Lake Michigan parked on a sand dune, very vulnerable to earthquakes, very vulnerable to historic high Lake Michigan water levels. And we've been fighting that for 30 years out there. So yes, it's awful what's going on on the Pacific coast, but there are equivalents around the country. Um, Just name the state and I can give you the, the local devilish details. Had they just, uh, just just to keep this on San Onofre, uh, if I'm, uh, forgive the mispronunciation, correct me if I'm wrong, um, how, are, is this like barrels of, you know, 55-gallon drums of, of radioactive waste that are buried, or is it, was it a giant pool that got, you know, plowed over? I mean, what's the deal here? How did this happen? This is Holtec International, which got hired to do the high-level waste storage on site. And what they have is a a mini version of what they want to do in New Mexico. They want to do a national version in New Mexico. So at San Onofre, what they have is a above grade, above ground concrete uh, structure that has pits in it. And they lower these uh, stainless steel canisters, which hold the high level radioactive waste into these pits. But it's 108 feet from the Pacific Ocean. It's like a foot and a half above the high tide water level 
with rising sea levels going on. It's near earthquake fault lines. It's in the tsunami zone. And I wrote a letter to the editor to the Los Angeles Times a few years ago that said, hey, look, okay, let's move it out of such a dangerous place, maybe a few miles inland to higher ground, deeper into the camp and Marine Corps base, because the nuclear power plant is on the Marine Corps base. So you get it out of the flood zone, out of the earthquake fault lines, and bonus, you have several thousand U.S. Marines to help guard it against security risks. So move it a few miles instead of a thousand miles to New Mexico or Texas. And what was the response to your proposal? Crickets? Uh, no response. No response from officialdom other than to continue to push their legislation in in Congress that would dump these wastes on the majority minority state of New Mexico on Latinx communities in West Texas, and even worse, perhaps, uh, the transportation risks. Again, people of color, low-income communities live along those rail lines. Yeah, yeah, inevitably. Um, Tell me about what's going on at Fukushima. There's there's some new, uh, new events going on there. Less than two years from now, the Japanese government and Tokyo Electric Power Company plan to start dumping 1.27 million tons, which is uh, like over a billion liters of highly radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean for no good reason. And the the news that's broken is that they want to dig a tunnel. And my question is, what do they have to hide? Do they not want um, television news crews filming them actually dumping this water into the ocean? They want to do it secretively. And what they've said, the reason is, is they're concerned that just dumping it at the surface will allow it to concentrate near the shore or wash back to the shore. So apparently they want to dig a pipeline further out into the ocean to further dilute it. But dilution is a delusion. It's going to reconcentrate in the seafood supply and humans are going to eat it. It's a really bad plan. They need to store it until the tritium decays to... um, harmless levels, which will take about 125 years. I mean, this is just a variation on what coastal cities have done for, for a couple of hundred years, isn't it? You know, you, you run a pipe a quarter mile out into the ocean and just dump your sewage through that pipe? Yes, and actually there are some precedents in the nuclear industry which are shameful and abominable, like in France at the reprocessing facility La Hague. They dug a pipeline into the English Channel. In, in the U.K. itself, they dug a pipeline into the Irish Sea. The reason they did that from these reprocessing facilities is because if they were dumping this wastewater and solid waste and sludges in barrels off a boat, it would violate international law. So they found a loophole. We'll build a pipeline and we'll just dump it directly in the ocean. No barrels, no boats. So that's what the Japanese are doing. They're following the French and the British. And what they're doing is they are contaminating the world's ocean, the origin of life on this planet, the only life we know of yet in in the cosmos. Is this a done deal, Kevin? Or is there an indigenous, a a local Japanese uh, movement against it? Is this still a subject of debate in Japan? It is not a done deal. In fact, the Japanese fishery fishing cooperatives have led the effort. They are the little boy with his finger in the dike. For years now, they're trying to protect their livelihoods and protect the seafood supply. 
And they've been joined by the Japanese anti-nuclear movement, environmental movement, and the international environmental and um, ocean protection movement. So the fight is on, and we hope to stop it, but we're up against Japanese uh, nuclear industry and government. We're up against the International Atomic Energy Agency. We're up against the U.S. government, the Biden administration, which has blessed this this plan shamefully. Wow. Now, I'm on your email list. I, I, we're talking with Kevin Camps, the radioactive waste specialist with beyondnuclear.org, and uh, they have a newsletter you can sign up for. It's, it's free. You don't get spammed. They don't sell it. There's no ads. It's just pretty straightforward stuff. And uh, I believe it was Linda authored a letter, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm doing this from memory here, suggesting that we need to be very, very careful that there are no nuclear bailouts in any of the so-called infrastructure bills that are being debated right now in Congress. What's the status of all that? That was actually an effort led by Nuclear Information and Resource Service, but 250 groups signed on to this effort, including Beyond Nuclear. It was a letter to congressional leadership opposing massive nuclear power subsidies in the infrastructure bills that are before Congress. So just in the um, bipartisan infrastructure bill that has already passed the Senate, there was something like $12 billion in subsidies for old and new reactors. But in the budget reconciliation bill, there are proposals for something like $50 billion in nuclear power subsidies, mostly for old reactors. It's such a huge giveaway on top of you know countless giveaways in the past, the nuclear power industry. It's gonna benefit a handful of companies in a small number of states, in a small number of counties in this country. And as the executive director of NEARS pointed out, it will create a grand total of zero new jobs. It's just to prop up these dangerously age-degraded, economically failed atomic reactors that already exist. If that money instead were to be invested in the real solutions to the climate catastrophe that's upon us, things like renewable energy, energy efficiency, grid modernization, energy storage, 60,000 new jobs would be created, according to the analysis prepared by NEARS and their expert, Dr. Mark Cooper. Remarkable, remarkable. Kevin Camps, radioactive waste specialist at beyondnuclear.org. The Twitter handle is also at beyondnuclear. Kevin, thank you for dropping by. I always learn something. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much, Tom. Yeah, good talking with you. Keep up the great work. I mean, really important work. It's the Tom Hartman Program, the place where smart people get their news. Florida. Hey, Gordon, what's on your mind today? Yeah, Tom, I was just wondering if you, I've come across an anti-vax strategy that's really got me concerned, and I don't know if I even want this to be aired out, because if it's something new, I don't want people getting the idea of it, but um, it's it's a it's strategy kind of like what uh, we use with chicken pox. When one person caught it, they just intermingled with everybody else so they caught it right and i'm really worried about that because chickenpox was not as deadly a disease as covid and it 
far from it. My yes. family. So, so if I understand correctly, what you're saying, Gordon, is that down there in Florida, you've got families who have been exposed to or are having symptomatic COVID, and they're inviting friends and neighbors over to get exposed. Is that the deal? I, I wouldn't say it's prevalent like that. I just know firsthand knowledge of one of the family members that are considering this strategy. And that's why I'm wondering, you know, if it's prevalent, prevalent if people are doing it. I, yeah, it's a hell of a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, that's one huge crapshoot to, to, to do. I know. To, to do In that. my opinion, uh, some of the results of this experiment may produce lessons learned they might not want to endure. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you may end up with dead bodies or people who are disabled. I mean, more likely, you know, if it's like two, three percent and people end up dead, but, you know, 20, 30 percent of people end up with disabilities that may well be lifelong and 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 huge hospital bills. I mean, you know, just massive amounts of medical bankruptcy. Gordon, I've not heard this anywhere else. You know, if you learn more about it, give me a shout back as the week goes on. Okay. Okay, I'll let you know if they actually went through with the strategy. Right now, they're just in discussions with okay. it. Okay, thanks a lot. Good talking to you, Gordon. Max in Sacramento. Hey, Max, what's up? Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that Kevin Camp you had on. Mm-hmm. He was talking about Japanese wanting to pollute the waters of the world, yet they banned spectators from the Olympics. I don't understand that. Well, they didn't want their own people to get infected with COVID. Yeah, but they want to pollute the world so everybody else gets sick and dies. Well, radiation is a little less visible, you know. It's a, I understand the irony is probably not even quite a strong enough word. I understand what you're saying, Max, um, mm-hmm. or hypocrisy, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. It's, it, Japan is not the only country in the world. I mean, the United States is right there with them. In fact, the well, U.S. in promoting nuclear power, and increasingly you've got a nuclear power industry saying that they are the solution to global warming, when in fact it takes 15 or 20 years before a nuclear power plant, a brand new nuclear power plant, produces its first watt of carbon-free electricity because there's so mm-hmm. much carbon that goes into building them, into the, making the concrete, into the rebar, into mining the uranium, into refining the uranium, into transporting the uranium, you know, all these things. Max, thank you for the call. Yeah, it's a a tough one. It's a tough one. Stick around. Jim in Elgin, Illinois, it says here you disagree with me about what, Jim? Oh, I don't disagree with you. I have a question. Okay. I got it in a notice on my phone that especially it gives me news updates. And this one basically said that Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, said that uh, Joe Biden is the most anti-American president in history. Right. And I'm like, I'm wondering why nobody has made a big deal of this. This is, this is about four months ago. Because nobody cares what Newt Gingrich has to say anymore. Okay. I mean, you know, he's a historical footnote. He's the guy who really started the let's hate government thing, you know, in a big way back in the 90s. Uh, He took Reaganism and turned it into a toxic religion, uh, you know, going after Bill Clinton and going after basically anything good left in America. Trump made him, what, the ambassador to the Vatican or something like that, him or him and his wife? (laughs) 
But this is the guy, I mean, you know, we all know the story. This is the guy who delivered the divorce papers to his wife as she was dying of cancer. This is the guy who had an affair with the woman who became his second wife while he was married to his first wife. He had an affair with the woman who became his third wife while he was, while he was you know, married to his second wife. And by the way, while he was having an affair with Kalista, his, his third wife, on his second wife, he was prosecuting Bill Clinton for having had an affair with Monica Lewinsky and calling it, you know, treason and, and, and all kinds of outrageous things. So, yeah, uh, you know, Newt Gingrich, you know, says things. I think most of us just laugh at it. He's just he's just a pathetic old, fi not to knock old people, I'm one of them myself, but he's just a pathetic old figure that has, uh, you know, outlived his time and and uh, usefulness in our in our body politic. And frankly, I don't think even well, Republicans take him seriously anymore. I don't care what he's done. I mean, that's whatever. It's his screwed up life. But by the same token, what if he's right on the point? And it looks like a lot of things that Joe Biden has done since his election to the presidency are more easily understood in the light of uh, what Newt Gingrich says. I only use the Give me name one example. Of because he said it. What has Joe Biden done that is fundamentally anti-American? Do you want? To, we can start with the Afghanistan situation. So we can start with. The, well, hang on just a second. You, you realize that it was Donald border. Trump who negotiated the withdrawal from Afghanistan, gave the Taliban everything they wanted, released their top leader, released five thousand of their fighters, and got absolutely nothing in exchange for that and then gutted the SIV program, shut down large parts of the State Department, gut, laid off huge numbers of people in the State Department, gutted the special immigrant visa program for uh, Afghan translators because Stephen Miller was concerned about more brown people coming to the United States. I don't understand why you would blame Joe Biden for any of that. Really? Yes, I, I think don't. a lot of Americans are blaming him already. Well, you know, our media certainly seems to, to like to blame him, but, you know, he's, if anything, I mean, you know, the, the deal that uh, Trump had cut was, okay, Taliban, we're going to give you everything. Trump actually pulled us out of 10 Air Force bases, turned all our equipment over to the Taliban. Now, this is even before he left office. Trump gave the Taliban everything they asked for, got absolutely nothing in return for it, including even getting, you know, safely out our allies. It was all supposed to happen at the end of April, on May 1st. That was supposed to be the date. Biden comes into office. Trump, for two and a half months, prevents Biden from even knowing the details of the deal because he's blocking him and Biden, the Biden incoming transition team from access to the State Department or the Defense Department, right up until January 20th. Biden figures out what's going on, and within a month, he has started the program to bring our people back from Afghanistan. He has restarted the program within the State Department. He has now successfully brought 103,000 people out of Afghanistan just in the last five weeks. I don't get your criticism, Jim. I really don't. What I'm am I missing? Criticizing. I'm, just, I'm just kind of basically saying this is something that I've been made aware of. As to what's going on in the news today, and yeah, I mentioned that, that also, Newt doesn't like this. Border. You know, I get that, but you know, but I, you know, so what? I mean, Newt, Newt Gingrich is, is as usual is just blowing steam. I mean, you know, Jim, thank you for the call. I, you know, uh, try again. I guess is the best I can say. You know, if you really think that Joe Biden is the most un-American president in American history, a 
I would introduce you to Andrew Jackson, although he's no longer around, or maybe Richard Nixon, or certainly Donald Trump. But uh, B, I, you know, I'm just not buying it. Sorry, just not buying it. Yeah, it was George W. Bush who lied us into Afghanistan and Iraq in the first place, cost his $5 trillion and thousands of American lives and a million, uh, you know, lives of people in the Middle East. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Tom Hartman here with you and welcome back. Mark in Sauk City, Wisconsin. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? Hey, well, I mean, and Jim kind of highlighted your previous call. One of the previous callers talked about Biden's un-Americanism, and I was getting back to that. It's Biden's fault. It's Biden's fault. I mean, it, it's it occurred to me, it crystallized in my mind, you know, as I was listening, that it's a fiction, and of course, the libertarians who, you know. Book saying Anne Rand is a goddess, and but Anne Rand's creations were pure fiction. And I mean that Donald Trump is—he's he's not a. Their version of Donald Trump is not the real Donald Trump. It's a fictionalized version of Donald Trump. And their fictionalized version of Donald Trump—he's got six-pack abs and and muscles, you know, like, like Arnold pictures. Schwarzenegger and and. <laughs> yeah. The, that and you know his sons are brave and noble and they and they and, and they're they've been ready warriors to go you know, to go battle you know do battle for the United States where the only thing they've ever battled for is themselves and I'm like President Biden you know that who who gave a son in service to the United States a son who is no longer with us for you know because of the cancer that he. May well have know, acquired while he was in Iraq and exposed in, in, in to Iraq. depleted uranium yeah. And and that and Afghanistan. It's, it's, and, and it's, it's a whole fiction that the right seems to have, and we all have our fictions. But the right seems to have embraced this fiction now that Joe Biden is a traitor and he's un-American. And but they ignore the fact that Donald Trump turned the Kurds over to the mercies of the Turks. And you know there are other there are other enemies there. I mean he just abandoned them rather than evacuating them. You know if he decided if if. Turks wanted the Kurds out of there. We, sh we should have said, okay, we'll evacuate them out of there. Mm -hmm. The ones who want to come to the United States, we'll bring to we'll bring to the United States. 
for the Afghans that are coming here, I mean, the, 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 the fear of brown people. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but in, in technical terms, the Afghan people are, are Caucasian. In the old terms, they'd be Caucasian, considered Caucasians, Caucasianoids in the old, you know, probably yeah, racist Hitler terms. Hitler called Americans. That they qualified well, all these people, and yes, some of them their skins are, are darker than us. But in India, you have a whole gradation of of from lighter from very light people to very dark people, and they're all Caucasian in their features. I mean that, and to use those, what's and, your I point, mean, Mark? Just, I mean, this this was well, the, the, the it, fact it, that their skin is a little darker and they practice Islam rather than Christianity was enough to get Stephen Miller. Who, who I believe is Jewish, but nonetheless, get, to get Stephen Miller to go bat guano crazy on him. And, and that's just it. I mean, Stephen Miller, in terms of, in pre-World War II, Stephen Miller would not be considered white because he is Jewish. I mean, that's why we kept a lot of the Jews from coming to this country prior to World War II is because they weren't, they weren't white. I mean, the whole fiction that they've invented here, that this is all Biden's fault, I mean, welcome to, you know, for the, for the Afghans that are coming to the United States, welcome to our country and welcome to you and your religion, because your religion is part of the whole panoply of religions that we have across the world. And the United States, according to the Treaty of Tripoli, which is part of our law, it, the United States is not a Christian nation. It's, it has that in writing. I'm not using the exact verbiage. Yeah, of no, you're, you're right. That was written during the Washington administration and signed by John Adams. Right. And it just is, it just is disgusting. Donald Trump signed the treaty with the, with the Taliban. Right. I mean, and these guys do not want to admit it. I mean, that's something Joe Biden should say. Here's the treaty. Here's the what pictures Donald of Trump Pompeo signed. and Mullah Obradar, or whatever his name is. Yeah, it. It's the fiction that these guys have invited, and it's a toxic fiction. Yeah. This fiction is not helpful to the United States. And if you want to talk, if you want to talk treasonous and un-American, that fiction is un-American. I mean, that it is just simply pure and simple un-American. And you know, we don't hear that from enough of the media. And enough of the media is not trumpeting, you know, Biden's success and getting those people out. And if you, these people knew that this was coming. Our, our people in Afghanistan knew that this was coming months ago, and their butts should have been out of there months ago. Yeah. I mean, the, the, they had the opportunity, and they failed to avail themselves well, a large, of it. The yeah, you've got Americans who are apparently still in Afghanistan and refusing to leave, and I don't understand that one, but the gutting of the SIV program, that happened under Stephen Miller and Donald Trump, you know, with the State Department. So, yeah, Mark, it, it's, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Excellent points all. Joe in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hey, Joe, what's up? All right, Tom, I think when you look at Syria, Trump abandoned them, the Kurds, he abandoned them. You know, once everybody's out and all the news media is done and all the photography's gone, Taliban's going to shut down the media and they're going to have uh, nothing coming out of there. Remember they're when four American soldiers war. were killed in Niger and, yeah, and Donald Trump yeah. uh, called it a lie and called one of their widows a liar? He didn't want to even acknowledge it because he might have to do something about it? That was in 2017. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, just take a playbook out of Trump's playbook. That's what's going to happen there. And then you're going to have the COVID. I think COVID with the kids is next. Oh, but, oh uh, COVID is going to get, you know, yeah. It, it, it apparently has not yet really seriously started sweeping Afghanistan and it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. And, and I think that uh, I think you're right, Joe, and I, and I think that uh, we're going to see warfare 
in Afghanistan between ISIS and they've got this new ISIS-K, right, which is like the Afghan version, ISIS and the Taliban and, you know, which way are they going to go and how are they going to govern and are they going to cut deals with the Chinese and what are, they gonna, what are the Chinese going to be saying are the terms of the deal and I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's going to be real interesting to watch. It's just a tragedy you- that we have for 20 years lost so many lives and so much treasure and caused so much death and destruction around the world all because George W. Bush thought that the way to get reelected was to be a wartime president. It is just such a crime. Joe, thank you for the call. Julie in Posen, Michigan. Hey, Julie, what's on your mind? Hi, I'm referring to this caller you had that hates Biden. I swear to God, I think he was gobsmacked when you told him about how Trump set this all up. He had no idea what was going on. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be watching Fox News. I think a yeah, and I think a lot of Americans are like that. They're not getting the correct news. And that's why we're having so many so many problems. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Julie. And, and it's... You don't hear this stuff on MSNBC very much. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Chris Hayes will say something. You know, I like him. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear that much of this. I think it's almost like they figure everybody already knows it because we said it. And no, you've got to repeat it over and over and over again. Look at how many times Republicans said Benghazi and but her emails. And it ultimately actually hurt Hillary Clinton. You've got to to repeat your talking points. Julie, spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you're (laughs) welcome. Thank you very much for the call. It's nice to hear from you. Uh, Paul in Elmhurst, Illinois. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, uh, you know, I am I'm just I'm really frustrated and sick and tired of MSNBC, CNN, 24 seven coverage. And not a bit of wonder people think it's Biden's fault. You know, you've got Fox News who are brutal, but now you've got MSNBC, CNN, except for a couple of, of their commentators. You know, Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd should be on Fox News as far as I'm concerned. It's yeah. just useless as far as it's just so frustrating, Tom. 24-7 garbage, garbage, garbage. I, you know, I confess, Paul, the, the only shows, uh, and, and this is more, you know, my schedule. I mean, you know, from five in the morning uh, until nine, Louise and I are doing show prep from nine till noon where I'm on the air. Basically from noon to 6 p.m. I'm working on the next day's op-ed and I'm working on the next book I'm writing. And then Louise and I watch uh, Rachel Maddow's show at six. This is all Pacific time for an hour. And then we go watch the Borgias or something for an hour and then go to bed. I mean, that's our life, right? It's very predictable. But the bottom line is I watch very little television news. I don't see CNN and MSNBC that much. Sometimes we'll have, you know, one or the other on in the morning when we're doing show prep kind of in the background. But I'm not so I'm not as familiar as you apparently are, Paul, with the narrative that's being presented in our so-called mainstream media, are are you saying that that uh, these uh, uh, you know uh, generally considered credible news networks are are beating up Biden for what's going on right now? Oh, absolutely, they are. A hundred percent of they are, and that's why you're getting callers that are calling in, you know, and, and thinking that it's Biden's fault. Yeah. You know, they won't mention Trump. They won't mention the, the setup that Trump done, and or basically caused this whole situation. And Bush, of course. It, it's frustrating, Tom, that no one can get the truth out anymore. 
and it, it just seems no, no matter where you go, there's no truth except when it comes to your program, Tom. And well, well thank great. you, Paul. I'm doing my best. Are you Irish, Paul? I am from Belfast, Northern Ireland. I love the accent. It sounded very, very familiar. <laughs> Paul, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for the call. And thanks All for right, listening thank to you. us there on, in Elmhurst on uh, Sirius XM. It's great to hear from you. How long are these Republicans going to be able to pull this off? Is Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott and Christy Nome and, and the other Republicans who are, you know, Rand Paul... Ted Cruz, who are trying to point themselves right toward the White House in 2024, are they like being really smart or really stupid? I think the thing that suggests they might be, they might have lost this high stakes bet, they might be being really stupid, is the fact that the really smart guys who want the White House in 2024 and that's, I mean, let's keep in mind, Ron DeSantis is a graduate of, the, of Harvard, of Yale, with honors. He's a lawyer. He's not an idiot. But I'm telling you, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, and Rick Scott are the ones that I think you need to keep an eye on. And perhaps Nikki Haley. I'm, I'm beginning to think that Nikki Haley isn't as bright as I thought she was. But, you know, particularly when she's... She's coming out blaming Biden for things that she knows Trump did, you know, like negotiating a withdrawal from Afghanistan. But are these guys setting themselves up for complete failure or are, is this going to be the future of the Republican Party? Every time you think that the Republican Party is pulling back from the crazies, you see, you know, Adam, Adam uh, was it Kinziger and, and uh, Liz Cheney joining the January 6th commission and saying, you know, no, we, we would like to have a Republican party that just goes back to those core values of just being in favor of tax cuts for rich people. By the way, neither one of them voted for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. There's literally not one single Republican who's in favor of Americans having the right to vote. Not one. But now we're seeing, you know, and this is in South Dakota's Meade County, more than one in three COVID-19 tests are coming back positive. That is a 3,400% increase in the seven-week average in, in the case counts there as a consequence of the Sturgis motorcycle rally that Christy Nome welcomed. They have witnessed a 686% increase in the daily case counts in the last three weeks. This is just in Meade County. A 1,900% increase in Butte and a 1,050% increase in Lawrence counties. These are the adjacent counties. 525,768 vehicles entered Sturgis over those 10 days of that rally. And only 38% of the population in Mead and 37%, 26% in Butte are vaccinated. Is this, is this sustainable? You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Or is this really a case of Darwin bats last? You know, a thousand people dying every day in America. What percentage of them are Republicans? Is this going to actually hurt the electorate? Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's on your mind today? 
Hey, my good friend. Yes, the situation in Afghanistan really got me thinking. You know, uh, you had a caller or a voice earlier that said um, most Americans, you know, got short memories. And, and he was right. Uh, Martin Luther King once said that the greatest purveyor of war was my own government. And for those of you who don't know about Dr. King, he was an American. Now, a guy named David Vine wrote a book called Base Nation. Uh, we've got seven to 800 military bases all over the world in different countries. The Taliban, the Chinese Communists, Al-Qaeda, they don't have military bases in, in other countries. And uh, people may not know this, but uh, we were in Afghanistan behind some dope, y'all, straight up. Uh, Afghanistan is the number one producer of opiates. Our big pharma is very, very much tied into that. We just got to pay a $26 billion payout because people got hooked on opiates. Uh, there's a book called Dream Man, I think it's the Sackler family, did the book called Dream Man, tell you all about it. Uh, so, you know, when I think of our media today, you know, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, if you're getting your information from anything that's got a commercial to it, it's just you're not learning anything. And I praise God for programs like yours, Tom Hartman. I ain't trying to blow no smoke. I don't need them from you. But I praise God for programs like yours. If I was in charge of the school system, uh, I would be tied into your program straight up. I would have my kids tied into your book straight up. This is a, a, a gold nugget. You are a go UKPFK, Amy Goodman. You guys are gold nuggets. Because, again, if we had to get our information from Fox, uh, MSNBC, CNN, Newsmax, We'd be in worse shape than we are right now, yeah. and we're in bad thank, shape. thank you for your kind words, Morris. I will, uh, you know, just in the, in, in the interest of complete transparency, uh, there is both a commercial side of this program. It's carried on commercial radio stations and Sirius XM, and we are paid for by commercials. In fact, that's, you know, the vast majority of the revenue that comes into this program comes from commercials. Um, and then, the, you know, we also offer a non-commercial feed that we sponsor, that we pay for. Uh, and provide to stations like KPFK, and and uh, but the difference is, I think, not so much you know the 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 revenue source. I mean, it might be if I was being sponsored by the military industrial complex, but we're not. Um, but it's really the ownership. You know, when when I had uh, my uh, deal with Air America, and for that matter, when my show was on RT, in both cases, I I was only willing to sign contracts that licensed the show. I fully owned it. I completely controlled the editorial content of it. I was one of, I think, only two shows on, uh, maybe three on uh, Air America, that, for the, which that was the case, and probably only one on RT. And, and uh, it, we've always held that as a, as a high value since we started this program 18 years ago, Louise and I, is that you know nobody tells us what to say. Nobody owns us. And if somebody wants to try, see you later, Charlie. So, but thank you for your kind words, Ben Morris. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, good to hear from you. Uh, Jim in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. My question is, is given the current trend, and it's an arbitrary number, where do you see the world in the next 10, 15, 20 years? You picked a number. I'm just curious. In and any particular context or just in general? Well, I mean, if, when you look at what's going on, okay, you got Afghanistan, you got right. COVID, you know, that's uh, you've right. got the Republicans that seem to own the uh, the message that is going out. I mean, their their spin machine is is way larger or heard more than the Democrats' spin machine. I'm just, you know, and, and I, I hate for you to be like Nostradamus or something here, but yeah. where do you see the world? In well, the, I'll tell you the trends that I'm watching, Jim, and, and, I, I, and I think that 
many of these are interruptible. They, you know, they need not be destiny. But um, climate change is getting worse, and it's getting worse faster than um, than the consensus predictions were. And in any case, the IPCC, every one of their five-year uh, projections has turned out to be worse than what they projected five years earlier. And so that that is continuing, and that is producing climate refugees. These many of the people, particularly the ones from Guatemala that we're seeing on our southern border, are actually climate refugees. The the uh, the the, uh, the Arab Spring was all about climate refugees. Um, I, I think we're just at the very leading end of that. We you know there's a couple hundred million people right now who qualify. Uh, by most definitions as climate refugees, I suspect that's going to be over a billion within a decade and maybe more. So you've got that. That, that creates enormous international pressures um, that could conceivably lead to war or could lead countries to, to, to become more introspective. I think the other big uh, thing that I'm, uh, two other big things that I'm noticing, one is the, just the, the basic ownership of the planet by a small number of very, very rich people. I don't, I don't believe that that's a sustainable thing. And that there, in fact, I think the Trump candidacy was the beginning of, of, a, of, a, of a movement in the United States against that. So we'll see where that goes. And, and, and also, I think that the, this neoliberalism that was sold to us, um, uh, and in fact, I'm, I'm thinking that the next book I wanna write is A Hidden History of Neoliberalism or Reaganism. Um, we were sold this back in the 1970s and 1980s that if we were to simply integrate the economies of the world by having free trade, shut down 50,000 factories, we're, we're up to almost 70,000 now factories that the United States has lost, shut down tens of thousands of factories here, move them to low-wage countries, and integrate our economies with theirs, that we will never go to war with them. Thomas Friedman tried selling this to us back in the 80s. He had this thing called the McDonald's War Theory, which was that no two countries with McDonald's had ever gone to war with each other. He wasn't right about that, but you know, it sounded nice. You know, countries that trade together don't go to war with each other. And so we were sold this, this neoliberal integration of world economies. And it looks to me like that's coming unraveled very rapidly. That could come unraveled in ways that are productive, uh, like the way that the United States disengaged from the UK in the, uh, in the early 1800s, late 1700s, early 1800s, as we adopted Alexander Hamilton's 11-point uh, plan for American manufacturers. Or it could come unraveled in a way that is very disruptive, as happened you know, leading up to World War II after, you know, with the Great Depression. So uh, those are the trends, the, the major trends, the climate trend, and the and the de, uh, what would you call it the the disintegration of neoliberalism, I think are the are the two largest trends. And then uh, the 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 third trend that I'm watching that's kind of a subtrend under that is uh, nationalism slash racism slash you know identity politics whatever you want to call this of uh, you know the increasing tribalism within countries and between countries around the world. And uh, I, I think some of the battles that we're seeing, for example, uh, Ethiopia and uh, Eritrea right now is, is an example of that kind of thing. Although again, there's, there's a, which is the, the fourth thing, there's a huge water component to that. And we're gonna start seeing water wars as climate change gets worse. So those are the, none of those are particularly optimistic. The, the upside stuff, Jim, is that we, you know, technologically, we're getting a whole lot better, a whole lot quicker 
and we are starting to electrify the world and we are starting to move away from fossil fuels the question is can we do it in time do i answer your question yes sir thank you very much okay you're welcome jim thank you for <laughs> thank the call you. i i just don't see how we just you know how to know exactly what's going to happen but there are some of these trends that are just so clear and frankly in some ways so shocking i mean how long we ignored for example climate change because there was this billion dollar multi-billion dollar and trillion dollar industry that was pouring lies and disinformation at us Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And welcome back. Bill in Cross City, Oklahoma. Hey, Bill, thanks for watching this on YouTube. What's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I listen to you on YouTube. I, you're I'm a, a great fan, and you're just a great person, a spokesperson for America. Thank you. I do have one of your signed books. Uh, I'm almost 80 years old, but when I left the Republican Party, when uh, Trump got in, uh, I on that day I called you and you sent me a signed copy of the book Screwed. Ah, oh, great. So, That's great. I'm calling to let you know I totally support President Biden. And I say president with a capital P. He is the most level-minded individual that's been in politics a long time and he knows what's going on. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I absolutely uh, want to thank him because I have a son that served in Iraq, son that served in Afghanistan. I've got a grandson now serving, and God bless the troops. Yeah. Yeah, they're I'm not the ones who made these choices. No. They're the I ones love, who signed up for their yeah. country. Yes. I'm old enough to remember, you know, I was born when uh, the atom bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, I was two years old. Mm -hmm. I remember Vietnam. I was drafted for Vietnam. My brother served in Vietnam. They sent me back home, but my brother served there. He's been a, a person that has dealt with hardship and mental issues all his life. God love him. Yeah, as a consequence and of that. I want to say my ancestors came from England to Jamestown, Virginia. And they're married into the native population. So I've got both the European and the native side to me. I can remember when Jimmy Carter gave the CIA money to give to the Mahajin, Mahajin or whatever you say their name, mm -hmm. to go into Afghanistan. And I remember when Reagan 
had Osama bin Laden as the good friend trying to drive out the Russians. Right. And they killed a lot of the uh, killed a lot of the people. Now, I remember too that the Taliban are the orphans of that war. There was thousands and thousands of those kids that were had to go over to Pakistan if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And they were they were educated in, in uh, radical schools that were set up over there. Yep, the madrasas. Uh, the, yeah, the Taliban, I believe, are just trying to come back into their country. Now, I know, uh, being have native blood in my, my veins, that the politicians were successful in taking over the country of, of America, which was Turtle Island, before they got here. But look how they had to do it. Mm. And, you know, I'm not one to be unpatriotic, whatever, what I'm saying, but endless times in countries where customs and tradition exist we cannot sustain it yeah that those 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 tribes still exist in the united states of america after 400 years of battling you're right yeah occupations don't work unless you uh, basically destroy the indigenous population which is what happened here and even then you know the occupation is still an occupation. Bill, thank you. That is such a thoughtful comment. Thank you, Bill. Jeff in Portland. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening to X-Ray FM. Thank you for taking my call, Tom. Good morning. And, uh, you know, thanks for having Kevin Camps on. The guy's so knowledgeable with the nuclear stuff. Your buddy who calls Gary, who says greed has no heart, I would say greed has no foresight either. And yeah. the nuclear nuclear waste is the uh, most egregious example yeah. of that. Poster child, um, yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, you know, I think your assessment of Trump losing the election because of his handling of the pandemic, you know, it's got an upside and a downside. The upside, of course, Biden won. The downside, 400,000 people wouldn't have died had Trump not been so criminally negligent. But another part of that downside is that it would take that many people dying to defeat a racist, ignorant, wannabe dictator. And that in itself is a pretty sad reflection of where uh, our democracy was less than a year ago. And so the twofold challenge to the Biden administration has been to, A, show the average voter how good government can work for them. And he's been doing that with the uh, rescue plan plan, the uh, reconciliation package, and the fact that his uh, accelerated vaccine rollout saved 200,000 more people from dying. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a swing of uh, 600,000 people that, uh, uh, you know, would have died, um, you know, wouldn't have died if Biden would have been president, uh, you know, back when the pandemic started. Um, right. and, and that's probably a low number. Um, you know, what DeSantis is doing to Florida is what Trump would have done to all of us. But finally, Tom, you know, the other challenge for Biden is to pass the uh, For the People Act and John Lewis Voting Act, Rights Act, because next year we're going to lose a dozen House seats just from partisan gerrymandering alone if yep. we don't pass those bills. Yep. So, Tom, isn't it time, this is a reference to your show on spirituality, isn't it time for President Biden to ask Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who aren't dumb people, they're, they're, they're smart people, uh, but to ask them, do they think the money they might make from selling out American democracy is going to be enough to buy back their souls? Mm. And that's a that's a reference to uh, Bob Dylan's Master of, Masters of War 
uh, lyrics, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, I mean, or, it, it's getting uh, serious. Judas Iscariot. <laughs> yes, that's um, I, I, a that would be a tough question. Um, uh, but uh, it's, I mean, we're putting pressure from the bottom up with you know Reverend Barber. That guy is doing amazing work with the Poor People's Campaign and mm-hmm. bringing pressure to bear. And he took him right to West the, Virginia. Yeah. Are we getting enough pressure from the from the top down? You know, it, do you? I mean, it, it just seems like there's got to be more that um, Joe Biden, President Biden, can do to to get these people in line. I mean, because you know, if once we if we lose the House just before the voting even takes place. I mean, that's going to be two years of of nothing getting done. Yeah. Well, this is what you're seeing in real time, Jeff, is the difference between Nancy Pelosi, who is masterful, and Chuck Schumer, who is okay, uh, in my Mm -hmm. personal opinion. Uh, You know, Schumer's got a couple of uh, renegade members, and and they're still renegade. You had nine of these uh, so-called Democrats, you know, Kurt Schrader, the guy from from, right here in Oregon, you know, uh, coming out saying, no, we're going to sabotage the $3 trillion deal because we just don't like it. And the guys who give us money don't want their taxes raised. And uh, Nancy Pelosi said, no, you're not. And they had a vote and all nine of them shut their mouths and voted the right way. So, um, you know, I think that Nancy and Chuck need to have a few conversations. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Jeff, I'm with you. you. Thank you. Thank you for the call. And welcome back, Dan in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, Tom, how you doing? Good. Hey, you know, Mark Twain said it's, uh, you know, it's easier to fool somebody than convince somebody they've been fooled. It sounds like to me a lot of your listeners have been fooled, and they have uh, complete Trump derangement syndrome. I mean, you do know that he's uh, been out of office for eight months, and, you know, it's funny, I listen to these liberal talk shows, and, you know, you guys are still going after him. Hey, listen, I can tell you one thing. You know, if you watch any one war movie, okay, all you're going to know is the military is the last out. Why did he not evacuate all these people prior to getting the military out? It's unbelievable. And, and people defend that. It, it's insane, Tom. Go ahead. You're, you're, tell me, uh, tell a, hey, Dan, uh, Joe Biden has gotten 103,000 people out of Afghanistan in the last two months. B, The reason it didn't happen earlier is because Donald Trump and Stephen Miller shut down the program in the State Department that was issuing these special immigrant visas, the SIV visas. So, so, you know, you listen to me, Dan. If you want to if you want to know why this thing is was as screwed up as it was in the beginning, you need to go back to Donald Trump because that's where it's happening. Uh, You know, good try. Nice try. But no, you know, no cigar. Chris in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Chris, what's up? Yeah, it's time for me to return the favor to the master, Tom. You've taught me a lot, and I just have to tell you about a lie of a mission I've been hearing for two weeks. Okay. I have no love for Pompeo Minimus or Donald Trump, but they made the deal in good faith with the Taliban for very simple reasons. The CIA turned over Mullah Baradar, who is one of the co-founders of the Taliban, and they believe he's like, you know, the next guy who's going to be king, and he's going to be ruling in, the, in, in Afghanistan, okay? Right. Now, how were these guys held by the CIA? Did the CIA have due process? Were they held by trial? Were these guys political prisoners? They were handed over to the Pakistani government. They were being held by Pakistan, not by the CIA. Yeah, but they were held under the powers of war, correct? I don't know. They were were held as foreign, they were held as 
people who are dangerous to the United States of America mission, correct? Spencer Ackerman, he wrote an article just the other day talking about how there's two Afghanis that are still being held under the global war on terror in Gitmo. Right. One guy is never going to see the light of day because, number one, he was tortured. The other guy they're holding, because now they're saying he's not a Taliban anymore, now he's al-Qaeda because we're no longer at war with the Taliban. We have an agreement. The Taliban war Chris, what's your point? Over. My point is, Tom, is that these people had to be released in order to step forward. And if you don't see that, how do you see the CIA as being a judge, jury, and executioner to put somebody in jail? Who are the, in a these people nation? who had to be released? These fighters of the Taliban, and especially Mullah Baradar, who was held with no discernible charge. So why did Donald Besides Trump get absolutely leader. nothing in exchange for that? Uh, look, I'm not going to go over the picayune details. Okay, all right. Apparently, neither am I. Fran in Skokie, Illinois. Hey, Fran, what's up? Hi, Tom. I wanted to bring up the research that Dr. David Eagleman has done on the brain, how he's shown that if you tell a group of kids that the kids with the brown eyes aren't as good, they believe it, and they treat yeah, they the did others. that study in the 60s, yeah. That's right. And he also used an MRI to show people's responses uh, when they, uh, they thought that someone of their tribe was being stabbed. And the difference it made when they watched someone of a different tribe. Right. And he posits that he had members of his family annihilated during the, the Holocaust. Right. So, Fran, what, what you're saying is that it, it, my assertion that an awful lot of the reason why people are willing to die, you know, for a virus, basically, is because of tribe is because, you know, they've 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 defined their identity somehow uh, with Donald Trump as opposed to rationality. Is that your point? That's it. And the people have to work at reaching out to others. Yeah, I'm with you. Fran, thank you for the call. Thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It does require all of us. All of us. That includes you. Whether you agree with me or not, get out there, get active, tag. You're it. Thank you again for being with us today and for supporting the programs where you are, the stations, the networks where you hear this program. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.